excite you. If it doesn't excite you, then it's not going to excite the reader. I, I can remember writing parts of this book where I literally had tears in my eyes, right? I mean, because I was just couldn't believe it. It was just, just so fun to do. And it's just, there was some emotion. And, and you can hear the, all your characters' heads, I mean, uh, voices in your head. Yeah. And so it, it's got to move you. Right. So if it's not moving you right. to tears almost, you're probably not there yet. You probably don't have the right concept yet. Welcome to the Lifelines Podcast, brought to you by the Brooklyn Writers Project. I'm Marina Aris. And I'm Diane Fenner. And we're your hosts. This is the podcast for book creators, book lovers, and literary ambassadors. Join us each week as we explore the writing life, the art, and the business of creating great books. Well, here we are at BookCon Day 1, and we're here with author D.A. Fields, and he is the author of Blood Memory Society. And thank you for joining us. We're going to have a quick conversation and talk about the book, the motivation, and everything else in between. Hi, Daryl. Thank you for joining us. Hey, great. Thanks to, Thanks for having me here. It's a great venue down here in the Javits Center, and um, huge expo going on. I'm really happy and thrilled to be here. Excellent. It is very exciting down here at BookCon. There are these enormous banners all over the floor with all the exciting new books and huge numbers of people running around giving away things free and giving signings. It's great. Awesome. Okay, so let's get to you, Daryl. Let's talk about your book. All right. Um, I've heard some very good things about it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the motivation for this book, how Mm -hmm. it came about, uh, a little background. So the book is about the idea that memories can be inherited. And so the concept is that there's a few select people in the world that have this ability to inherit their ancestors' memories. And so they're super intelligent and the government relies on them for ideas and inventions and they keep them well protected in this secret society, secret organization called the Blood Memory Society. But someone's been killing off the Blood Memory Society, so they hire this young doctor to come in to try to figure out, you know, how in the world is it possible that memories can be inherited? And so as soon as he gets involved in the project, he's on the run for his life from assassins and he's trying to protect this young lady with a 400-year-old memory. Wow. I love that. I and love that. It's an amazing looking book because I've seen the book on display here at BookCon and the cover is gorgeous. And, oh, and actually, isn't it true that you have film option interests? Yeah, or? we've had uh, two movie companies call, expressed an interest. We had to send them an official statement saying movie rights are available. So that, that was exciting. That was a month or two ago. And then uh, another recent development is that Reese Witherspoon has the book. And so, um, you know, she hasn't called yet, but uh, hopefully she'll <laughs> be calling cool. soon. So things like that are happening. It's fine. Fantastic. And this book um, is a self-published book, correct? It is self-published. I've, I've published on, um, I guess they call it a hybrid publisher. It's uh, um, a, a, a company out of Florida, and they publish three or four authors a year on their on their imprint. But, but, but basically, yes, it is a, a self-published book. And so what that means is... We've had to use our personal connections wherever they may be around the country to try to connect to bookstores and try to connect to readers. Um, And, you know, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of work, but it's been a lot of fun. It's been very gratifying in the process for sure. Fantastic. And you are a Dart Frog author. Um, Our listeners don't yet know about Dart Frog, so I'm going to tell you guys very quickly. Dart Frog is the way that 
the best in independent publishing is finding its way to bookstore shelves. So um, how has the experience been so far? Well, it's been great. I mean, Daunt Frog, for me, I, I, I'm a Southern guy, if you can't tell from my voice. But uh, so my book has been done pretty well in the Southeast, but it's been hard for me to find a national network because it is a self-published book. And so Dart Frog is helping me find a, a more areas of the country to introduce my book to and more channels to get my book out there, which is so important because, you know, basically what I found was without a major publisher behind you, it's hard to get into the national big bookstores. You know, you got to have almost their stamp seal of approval, right. which makes some sense. Sure. And that's why I think your concept with Dark Frog makes so much sense. They and are that a seal of approval. It's a seal of approval that it's an indie book that's very good. But And so that I can understand where there is a market for that, and I really appreciate it. And, you know, I, gosh, when you, you kind of know you got to – I feel like I got a good book. I've heard it from a lot of people now. And um, – and it's just frustrating that you can't get it to the masses uh, easily. You're on your uh, way. But You're yeah, we're way. definitely getting there. So are. yeah. There's a lot of precedent for self-published books to make it very big in the industry. So you're right. not going oh, sure. uh, yeah. on it completely alone. Can you talk a little bit about how you came to decide that you were going to undertake this project? The book. Well, it's you know it's a story that's kind of been eating at my brain for many years. <laughs> So I'm a, uh, a dentist, a dental surgeon by trade, and so I was taking a genetics class years ago, and we were talking about this idea, uh, this phenomenon that really exists in the animal world called genetic memory. And basically what we were talking about was this mouse study where they took a mouse and they put a mouse in a box and they drew a white line halfway across the box. So when the mouse crossed the white line, it would get an electrical stimulus, electrical shock. And so just like Pavlov's dog, dogs, uh, the mouse eventually learned not to cross the white line. Well, mice reproduce very fast. So after the 10th or 12th generation of mice, they could take a baby mouse, put it in the box, and it knew not to cross the white line. Wow, it was born with that knowledge. And it's, it's, a, it's a real phenomenon in the animal world called genetic memory. And there's a lot of other ones I can tell you about with insects and elephants, and there's all these things going on. So when I was taking this genetics class, I was thinking, well, what if one human me memory could be passed down the line, you know? That's and then, cool. then you start thinking about, well, what is deja vu? Is, uh, is that some fragment of someone else's memory, you know? So that thing is, that's really where it came from. And so it's been in my brain for a long time. And finally I had to release it, you know? So we did it and I, we wrote the book and I, I wrote the book. It really only took four or five months to write. And, um, and now, and that, so that was the easy thing, I hate to say. <laughs> idea, yeah. yeah. And marketing it and finding the audience. And that, that's an entirely different business that I'm, had to learn and I'm still learning. That's well, we can we can go through that, but let's just pause for a second yeah. on the fact that writing happens so quickly and just yeah. dwell a little in. Sure. Did you find an editor? Did you just sit down yes. and just pour it all out at once? So I, I wrote the entire book and when I was finished, um, it how was long, four, wait, how it was long? it was how long, how long did it take? It took about five four or five months and I had four or five Four hundred. I had 486 pages when wow. I was done, and what had I did. Have you any experience writing? No, no I, I, <laughs> that's so great. I, I, read, <laughs> I love it. 
Yeah, had you considered that perhaps you have a genetic memory from so the prior? So that's yes. exactly, you know, we laugh Which about one? that. We no, laugh, no, yeah, yeah, no, no, we need a really Down the line right. somewhere. An yeah. ancestor was a prolific author for yeah. sure. Yeah. Somewhere in there for sure. I do have some poets in my family, so I don't know, maybe cool. maybe that came from that line somewhere. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, and, and oh, what was, oh, so it was 486 so, pages, so right. the problem was, um, it, it was too long, and I didn't realize it at the time. Again, I didn't really know about the business side of it. And my under, what I came to learn was that you know Stephen King can write an 800-page book, and, and, and it will sell. People will buy it. Right. But, but every page costs money to print. Right. So we had to, I had to hire, I had it edited three times, three different editors, two New York editors, and a, a local uh, editor in Florida first, and then two New York editors. And, you know, we had to edit 150 pages out of the book because you need it to be right. somewhere around 300 pages. Yeah. That's kind of the Genres sweet spot. Specific yeah, and so yeah. I couldn't you know, remove 150 pages from our book, so I had to hire someone to do it. Right. Um, and so that was a process that took about twice as long, honestly, as writing, as writing the book. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Took a while. Well, cool. congratulations. Did you look around for a traditional agent and I publisher? Did. Yeah, I spent... A year and a half, you know, um, sending my materials into agents in New York, and you know, you, you get really close a couple of times, and you, you think you for sure they're going to take this, but they want it, they really love it, and they have it for six months, and then they deny it. And so yeah, now you yeah. spend six months of your life, yeah. like yeah, your hopes are just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. your emotions are tattered. And so I, about after a year and a half of doing that, I had a smaller, this hybrid published online publisher that said you know I, we really want to publish it and we think we can do what the big boys can do for right. you so that I said well, let's let's go let's do that awesome. and so that's where we started and again this is my first novel and so you know maybe that's not a bad place to start and I can see where going into these um, the independent bookstores mainly where it will layer itself so I've gotten to meet a lot of bookstore owners mainly again in the southeast but I could see as I came back with my second book, I know them. I've also met other people. I can see where it kind of layers, and it could take two or three books before you really right. start to make a mark. You know, right. I hate to say that, but well, maybe that's. What I mean, it is, I'm watching. You know? um, well, my work with Dark Frog Books, by the way, I, I'm actually talking to booksellers. I'm the person who's making sure that these books are performing right. and uh, mm -hmm. I'll tell you they're moving they're mm -hmm. starting good. to move so yeah. I think this is going to be really helpful for you oh good um, good just so hang, hang tight mm -hmm. I, I will have some reporting yeah. for you soon <laughs> great awesome so um, do you feel like you have a idea for your second and third book do you think you might do a series that's all related to this concept oh, or you might go into other concepts oh yeah no so the sequel's done I've written the sequel already and so okay, I'm, awesome. I'm waiting of course you have <laughs> and I'm, wa I'm waiting to well there's a lot you could do when you talk about a memory that extends back for hundreds of years, yeah. think of all the possible stories where that can take you. I mean, it's, it's endless, right? And so the second one is done. I'm, again, trying to figure out how to release that. I'm still trying to figure that out. And then the third book and I'm really excited about is is it's the prequel. It's how oh, this started, yeah. how this memory started with this particular family. And, it start, and it's going to take you back to kind of the late 1800s and 1900s. And so that's the one I'm really working on now and, and doing some research on and that kind of thing. I just, I just got back from Cuba and 
the, the Cuba plays a big role in the sequel because if if you were to inherit some memory, okay, of, of say your great grandmother, okay, and you your great grandmother buried something very important in Cuba, okay. Well, Cuba hasn't changed in 150 years, 100 years. So when you went down there you would recognize, this memory would allow you to recognize a lot of the buildings and streets as they looked 100 years ago, there's cars. Wow, and, I love so it. That, so that's why Cuba has to be it, right? <laughs> Fantastic, yeah. I think you've got a really good thing going there. Thanks. I think this is amazing, and I'm actually afraid because it makes it look so easy. Yeah. <laughs> Other people are going to go, oh my god, I've been struggling, and this guy sounds like he does it in a morning. I think, yeah, when do you write, by the way? So How do you pull this off? I, I wrote a lot, you know, on, I, it, it was just such a mentally stimulating thing. I tell people all the time, I probably slept four hours a night. You were I, having fun. I was having so much fun. I was yeah. not tired. You can ask my, 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 my kids and, you know, and, and they could be running around. It didn't buy, I, it was just such a fun story to write. It just, okay. I, I just You're like found any time. But, here, but here's yeah. what, here's what I think. And, you know, and talking about this now for the last six months, uh, since the book was released, um, I think a lot of people get hung up on detail too early. I, I think that they have trouble getting through their story because just like we're sitting here and we're, we're in this kind of loud room and you might want to try to describe this room, don't worry about that too much. Get your dialogue in there. I, I think get your dialogue, let your story go where it wants to go and come back later and add some of the description and some of the flowery language and I call it the fluff you know yeah, get, yeah. get your bones of the story in there right. and then it's fun to come back and to, that's my process it's like but a layered process it's it a layered like, process right. and you wind up reading your own book 70 times I mean you know there's so many times you read it even when you fun. think it's there <laughs> but that's great advice. and you still find an error you know very good advice very good advice so typically how we wrap up our interviews is yeah. we ask the author to share with let's pretend oh, yeah. that you're going upstairs in about 20 minutes mm -hmm. and you are going to be in front of a room a first time thriller I would assume that's a great mm -hmm. way to describe your book mm -hmm. thriller authors what would be, what you just said was actually pretty helpful, but anything else you can think of that would be a great guide for you? Of, of writers that write thrillers? That want to write thrillers. They've never done it before. Mm -hmm. So these are newbies. And no, you can't say the typical, like, write every day stuff. Yeah, no, I don't write every day. I, I was, I'm one of those, I need to build it in my brain first, and, and then I, I'm more of a... I, I don't know how you call it, a, an explosive writer. Like, all of a sudden it explodes, and then oh, I just yeah. kind of write. A pantser, I, I, they call you. I, I just, I, I just, I, I will wait weeks sometimes and, and work on this certain concept in my brain, and I do that a lot. I, I like to run and jog, and I do that in the mornings a lot oh, on really? my runs. That's great. But once I feel like I've developed that concept, then I sit down and write, and then it flows. Right. So maybe writing every day is not such a great thing. I hear writing. that a lot. But that is writing. I've yeah, heard writers okay. say that that is writing. Okay, when that's you're true. Just working with you're the working concepts, on it for you know? sure. You're working with the concept. So I think um, it's got to excite you. If it doesn't excite you, then it's not going to excite the reader. I, I can remember writing parts of this book where I literally had tears in my eyes, right? I mean, because I was... Just couldn't believe it was just, just so fun to do, and it's just there and was some emotion in there, and you can hear the, all your characters' heads, I mean, uh, voices in your head, yeah. and so it, it's got to move you. Right. Right. So if it's not moving you right. to tears almost, you're probably not there yet. You probably don't have the right concept yet. That's right. Um, but now, so, let's talk about thriller, the thriller yeah. genre in mm -hmm. particular, because it, I, I would assume mm -hmm. it has. 
um, just like every genre, it has different um, parameters that you have to kind of meet. Because yeah. I know when you went into this, mm -hmm. you just sort of wrote. Right. But now I'm sure an editor came back to you and explained to you that maybe there are some things that you have to do. What were they, if any? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it, it's it's you got to build that crucible, which is that it's it's got to be um, a constant tension building in your in your book throughout. That finally, if you can, it's called a crucible where there's tension on this side and tension on that side, and everything's kind of compressing itself. And finally, if you can resolve that at the very end. That would be your main plot, and if you can tie some subplot into it also, the, the closer to the end that you resolve your subplot and your, and your main plot, the more uh, engrossing it is, ah, the more, uh, more interesting it is. Building you know? up tension. Just building the crucible, building the tension throughout the book. I get that. I totally yeah. get that. Now tell me how yeah. you do it. How do you know that you're doing it as a writer? Do you know? I, you know, I don't know if you know. <laughs> you don't know. I, I, think, I, think, I get that. That yeah, makes a lot of sense. I think, I, yeah. you know, I think that I'm going through it the whole time going, I, I don't want to let my reader know what's going on yet. It's not uh -huh. time. So See, for me, yeah. it's just, I don't, do not give them, give them small you have to be clues. You with yourself. Yeah, first. but don't give them, don't give them the, the fruit just yet, yeah. you know. You just so. are a natural, I think. I think I you're know. really good at it. And you've, I think you've been nursing it for, or nurturing it for so long maybe so that maybe you, so you kind of have that concept really clear in your mind yeah it's, well, it's, um, it's fantastic. But, but I can tell you this one I will say um, the, the, the first book was the easiest and it seems the second book isn't quite as easy okay so uh, uh, that's the, not uh, what I would have expected uh, so for me and I, and I have heard that from some other people too that um, you know, I, I don't know how easy the fifth and sixth book will be. It may be easier. I don't know, but I, 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 I can definitely. That's got you. Yeah. Because the first book did get good reviews, and yeah. you had a film company calling. I mean, yeah. that just sort of sets you up at another level. Yeah, right? yeah, it does. It puts a little so. pressure. Oh, pressure. On for sure. That's probably what yeah, it is. Yeah, no doubt. But yeah, it's but it's absolute. It's an absolute blast, no matter how you look at it. So. Well, do you want to tell our readers where to find you online or whatever other ways there are to get in touch with you and to buy your book and repeat? Yeah, so my uh, website is dafield, that's D-A-F-I-E-L-D.com. Um, and then you can you can get it online at Amazon and Barnes and Noble. It's in any format. Hard, and repeat the name and, of the book for them. And, and the, the name of the book is Blood Memory Society, book one. Um, and then I'm also working with Dark Frog, um, and uh, yeah, I mean it's it's available hard cop, uh, hard copy, uh, soft uh, copy, and um, and and the, and the digital ebook. Yeah. And you will be able to find it in stores thanks to Dark Frog Books, and that's yeah. DarkFrogBooks.com. Well, thank you so much hey, for sharing you. a few this minutes of your time. Yeah. Well, Enjoy BookCon. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Okay, this is Daryl Field, D.A. Field, it's my pen name, reading the first uh, four paragraphs of my book, Blood Memory Society. Death in a dime bag. Those were the words the man in the long trench coat kept tossing around in his brain. It was simple. After completing this day of death, he would reach into his dime bag stash of homegrown marijuana and smoke away the memories. So on this bitterly cold day in Atlanta, the temperature was falling fast under a rapidly graying sky. Approaching a large, almost anonymous looking cement building, the man's coat was so bulky and out of proportion to his thin frame that he slightly stumbled as he walked. 
Although early spring, the winter had lingered this year, and at three in the afternoon, small slick patches of ice hazardly speckled the concrete sidewalk outside of the National Fertility Clinic. The clinic, located just a block from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, was a four-story dull gray building with a curious lack of windows and just one nondescript dense metal entrance door painted solid black. Out front, there was no signage, no identification of any sort except for its address on Clifton Road etched into the bulletproof glass transom window above the door. Another odd fact about this building was that the lights and power supply never failed. Even when the rest of Atlanta was in the dark, in the cold clutches of an energy blackout, the lights at the National Fertility Clinic never blinked, never even flickered. Only a select handful of people in the country were aware that this drab, unimpressive building had its own power grid, separate and isolated from the entire city. That's all for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked today's episode, please leave us a review. It'll help us keep bringing you great content. For show notes, upcoming events, and to participate in the Brooklyn Writers Project community, head on over to our website at www.brooklynwritersproject.com. Questions or comments? Send them to contact at lifelinespodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Lifelines, the books podcast has been brought to you by the Brooklyn Writers Project. Music for this podcast has been provided by Anthony Nuda of Noble Sense Productions.